Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We have been going, of course, through a series that we're capturing back in uh, 1 Corinthians. Thankful for all of those who preached over the weeks and done an amazing job at leading us to the cross every week. Um, Paul is helping us today, and I'm excited about this idea of the indispensable church uh, because we live in a society that believes that the church is dispensable. And, 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 and one of the main places where we find ourselves seeing this dispensability is by people who call themselves believers. And Paul, therefore, in his mind, does something for us is he's helping us to see the indispensable nature of every single person who's been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. How many of you have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light? Into the marvelous light. Now, I'm not talking about the strobe light. I'm talking about (laughs) the marvelous light. My, my, my. I'm not talking about the black light. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But into the marvelous light, not the fluorescent light. Amen. Hallelujah for deliverance. We're talking about the marvelous light. And being called into the marvelous light, uh, it, it, which is an act of God, is, 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 it calls us to responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. We're in that section of the, the, the First Corinthians that talks about worship gatherings, how important worship gatherings are to the saints and how important it is for us and one another and for there to be uh, clarity on what they exist for and what our functionality should be within them as a church, as a Pivony Fellowship. I believe we have been a very evangelistic and missional, if you will, church. We've been a church that has been excited about going out and planting churches and going out on prayer walks and engaging, hitting the college campus, engaging people, using all our outreaches to engage people, going to uh, do foreign missions and engage people, and we're going to continue to support those efforts. But God has made it indispensably clear that in this season of church, we must have simultaneous connectivity. And what I mean by simultaneous connectivity is we must both engage lost people so that they may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yet we also must grow found people. Yeah, you, 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 there has to be a sense in which you, you, you engage lost people, but you, you, you go and reach uh, uh, found people and strengthen found people. One of the things that a church shouldn't do is stop doing found ministry to do lost ministry. And it shouldn't stop doing lost ministry to do found ministry because Jesus in his incarnation balanced the two at the same time. While discipling his disciples, he engaged them to engage others while they were yet on mission with him and their evangelism and mission was a part of their discipleship. Help me today, God. Y'all got something there. But anyway, the word of God is so potent with the reality of our need to grow and our connectivity to one another. And so Paul is talking about worship gatherings, when the church comes together, how important that is, and almost like a practical application of Hebrews chapter 10, if you will. Um, And and what it looks like not to forsake gathering together. Uh, Hebrews tells us not to forsake gathering. Uh, First Corinthians tells us how we gather. 
And so here we look down and we see, uh, 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 I, I believe, I want to talk about three things and, uh, th- that help us to recognize the nature of being an indispensable church. Number one, if we're going to walk as an indispensable church, number one, uh, we must recognize that we have equal grounding. Every believer has equal grounding. Look at verse 15, I mean, verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Paul, in talking about this idea of us having equal grounding, first starts with an illustration that is street level. He he is talking about a massive theological idea in such simple, not simplistic language. He takes natural revelation and connects it to spiritual revelation. Natural revelation says that we have a body, right? Everybody in here has a body, right? Uh, but, But you're one person, right? Amen. But you're made up of many parts that make up that one body. Such a beautiful idea that he's using the body that God made to give a clarity on what it looks like for us to be the body of Christ. That means that the universal church is one body. We can't look at another gathering of the saints and begin to act like they aren't the church. If they believe the same gospel, worship the same God, even if we have a different denomination or non-denomination out on our marquee, if we are smeared with the blood of Jesus and we've trusted in him by faith alone, we're one body. Whether you're Presbyterian, whether you're Baptist, whether you're Anabaptist, whether you're Mennonite, um, whether you're a, 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 a Moravian, whether you are Assemblies of God, whether you're Church of God in Christ, whether you are Church of God, whatever you are, whether you are no denomination, whether you're Bible Fellowship, Bible Church, Reformed Church, Nine Marks Church, Acts 29 Church, uh, uh, Four Square Church, um, Baked Church, Broiled Church, Fried Church, Kentucky Fried Church, herbs and spices, if, if all of them are covered by the blood, we're just one church. Yeah, we, we just one church. And so, and, and so, and so, so, so no matter what, what, what that is, because that, that, that means that we're on level ground and there can be no arrogance. Okay? And, and so one body. Uh, uh, and in us looking at one body, what he's talking about is he, he puts together an inferential principle that helps us indispensably. He basically says that the church is both organic and organized. Now, see, some people don't like to view the church as an organism. But see, usually that's people that's artsy. Because artsy people don't necessarily lead organization. Help me today, God. All the artsy people say, why don't you shut up? Why don't you shut up, Pastor? Why don't you shut up? You know, um, but, but, but my anal people like organization. The body is both. Can you, can you imagine if your body was disorganized? What if your heart was in your head? Wow. You see what I'm saying? So, so in, in other words, God in organizing the physical body, organized it to be an organic living being. That's what makes the church a living organism that's organized. We're not an organization, but we organize so that our organism can have focus on the organizer himself. 
check me. So when we see that reality, we have to see the Lord's grace in all of those realities to help us to really recognize the deeply embedded idea that the church is an organism and it's organized. It's organism and it's organized. The idea of it being organism shouldn't fight with it. That's why people, when they say, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not in a religion, I'm in a relationship. Well, the Bible does talk about undefiled religion. There's a possibility to be religious and it be undefiled. So we utilize these oxymoronic statements to have reductionistic, individualistic ideas of what we believe Christianity to be. And so what happens is, is we use, we use terminology, we, we react to hurt by creating unbiblical terminology to help people feel more comfortable with what God says versus going in what the Bible says and letting the book tell us what it should be. No, don't redefine the terminology, redefine what we think of the terminology. Okay, and so, and, so, and so he literally says here, we're an organism. Now what's sweet about this is he roots this so deeply in the gospel. Look at what he does. He said, so it is with Christ, us. He's, he's not talking about Christ in heaven right now. Okay, he, 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 that's not, he's talking about the church being the representative of Christ as body on planet earth. Now, notice this, even though it's, 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 it's huge for us to be um, one body universally, but he's talking to a local church. So I want you to remember he's talking about oneness as a local church, even though it can theologically connect to the idea of the entire church. He says, so it is with Christ. Okay, he says, for in one spirit, somebody say one spirit. He said, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not to speak in tongues. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. It didn't say that right here. Matter of fact, if you look at every example where there was an initial communication of coming into Christ in Acts, there wasn't tongues all the time. So being baptized, if, if, if tongues is all you have, tongues is all you'll get. Now, let me explain this. Being baptized, truly baptized, is to believe the gospel and be placed, or the word baptizo literally means to dip or immerse something in a sphere. So when you trust Christ as Savior, guess what? He immerses you into the body of Christ. Listen, 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 listen. You don't base your salvation on tongues. You base yourself on the fact that faith in Christ immerses you mystically and spiritually into the body of Christ. And see, you can run around, you can talk, you can holler all you want, but you can have tongues and no teacher and you won't be in him. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so what's great here in this passage is we're baptized into one body, which inferentially means is you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone. That's what it means. See, so many Christians want individualistic soteriology. We want to be connected to Jesus and not his people. It's impossible. Because immediately when you're saved, you are brought into a body, not an individual relationship. Show me that in the Bible. Jesus said, I'm the door to the sheepfold, plural. That means he's bringing y'all in, not just me in. Our individuality has hurt our benefit, our body benefits. 
And look, but look what he says. Look, look at the beauty of what he says at the end of the, and, and this is where you begin to feel, you sense that old chill of the Holy Ghost on this part right here. This is beautiful right here. Now, this is my mystical me right here. It says, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, how in the world do you drink of the spirit? It's, it's real simple. It's an ancient idea, not new to the New Testament. It's in law, prophets, writings. It's in there. God says in a beautiful passage, Jeremiah 2.13, he says, my people have forsaken the fountain of living water and have honed for themselves cisterns that can hold no water at all. Uh, it was beautiful about that. He said, I'm a fountain, but you went to a well. Now, you got to recognize that a well has to depend on someone or something to give of water to it, whereas a fountain is the source that gives water to all the wells. Jesus says, and you, you're going to secondary means, help me today, God, for me when you can come directly to God through me. And so God gets frustrated with his people when they find satisfaction somewhere else. Help me today. Help me today, God. In other words, the drink of the Spirit is to find your satisfaction in Christ alone. Okay, y'all think I'm, okay, Jesus is chilling by a well in John 4. Said he had to go through Samaria. He said, shorty, give me a drink. Now, he wasn't trying to holler at her, right? He wasn't trying to kick no game. She said, you a Jew, you trying to, I mean, what's good? You know what I'm saying? And Jesus says, and I like, Jesus was just smooth. He says, he said, if you knew what kind of water I had, and knew who was talking to you. See, don't go out the, don't go out the ga- after the gathering, single guy trying to say, if you knew what kind of water I had, <laughs> licking your lips and carrying on like LL Cool J. Help him, God. Um, <laughs> but Jesus, by the water, he begins to say, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, and, and, and the gift that I had, the gift, and John means the spirit, through belief, he says, because she knew that she had five dudes. In other words, when you enter a relationship with Christ, it shuts down everything that you are utilizing to satisfy yourself. I wish I had time to spend on this. But, but, but see, when you're in Christ, listen, some of us have been duped into believing that there's no satisfaction in Jesus Christ. So we find all different types of other means, all different types of other cisterns. When you, when you trusted Christ as Savior, the Holy Ghost came inside of you, and now he's a fountain of life. How do we access the fountain? I'm glad you asked, because Galatians 5 says we have the fruit of the Spirit. That means the fruit of the Spirit are ident- identifying cards, your ID card, to let you know that you're actually a Christian. Joy is one of the pieces of the parts of the fruit. Joy is the thing that you grab a hold of and turn the faucet of God enjoyment on. Y'all miss that. That's why no matter what you go through, you can have joy. Joy doesn't leave you. You already have it. Because he gave it to you not by circumstances, but by faith. So what you do is, in order to enjoy Christ, you decide, based on what he's already done for you, that I'm going to go over here and I'm going to turn on me some joy right now. And the fountain of living waters will satisfy you. 
he'll satisfy you. He'll, sati- he'll satisfy the needy heart. That's why he says, he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. I, I like that. I-, I like the fact that I got a promise that I can hold on to. Listen, when in the world are you going to stop being satisfied by everyone, everything, and every place else instead of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, why in the world would he talk about drinking of the Spirit in a spiritual gifts passage? (laughs) Why in the world would he do that? Because he wants us to find our identity and not what we do, but what was done for us. Because our tendency is when we get used, we find our identity in being used. And you begin to love, and your joy is connected to being used. Words of encouragement. Not the one who says, well done. Not the one whose blood was poured out for you and already lives in you so you can have satisfaction that never ends. That's why in the middle of the feast, he saw all this activity. He saw all this activity. Jesus says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> he said, he said, and I'm going to let you drink to the point where you're going to, listen, let me, let me give you this illustration. When my son, my baby, he overdrinks, he has to, he, too much milk, he has to come back out with the milk because there's too much in him. After that, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you filled up with the goodness of God and he's pouring water into you, it's so much water into you that you can't keep it to yourself. Help me today, God. When you begin, you're not the source, but the source, the fountain is so pouring into your crazy, nasty, trifling, crazy self, and all of a sudden, out of this earthen vessel comes rivers. Help me today, God. Only God can reconstruct a messed up life to vomit up glory. Only only God can do that. Only God can do that. Only God can take a whole mongler. Only God can take a pimp. Only God can take a hoe and make water come out of a dry fountain. Only God can do that. That's what it means to drink the spirit. I remember I was, um, went to this reception and they had the Baptist punch. And y'all know that stuff is like crack cocaine. I mean, it's red, first off, red punch to a dark-skinned black man from Washington, D.C. I mean, you know, when you went to corner store, when you little anything red was just supposed to be good. Just, we just got put in that idea, right? <laughs> when you put it before the kids, orange, green, purple, I want the red one, right? That's just the way it works. Um, everybody wants the red one. So red punch is already like kryptonite. <laughs> You're going like this again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and Baptist punch, you know, I don't know what the mothers of the church do to that punch. But it's sweet, tangy, then a little bit of acidity fizz on the back end of it. And I was over there by the jungle, cacao, 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 cacao. I just kept going. And I went over to my wife. I said, babe, I'm thirsty. I'm, th- I'm still thirsty. Why am I still thirsty? She said, babe, because it got a lot of sugar in it. 
And she said, that which was in that is built to keep you wanting more, even though you're drinking. You're wetting your, you're wetting your whistle, but, 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 but you're not nurturing the need. So she got me a bottle of water, and I drank that one bottle of water, and I drank less water than I did the Baptist punch. But the water was more effective in satisfying my thirst than the Baptist punch. All I'm trying to tell you today is you better come to the fountain of life and get you a, some of this water that God has. And man, it may not be Avion, and it, and it may not be Deer Park, and it may not even be the Fresh Grocer brand, but it's the water that doesn't need bottling because you can drink as much as you want to. And I'm so glad for this water because this water spills through the passage like a waterfall. And, and, and the way it spills through the passage as a waterfall, which it roots us in being equally grounded now, now we go from being equally grounded to equally valued. Look at verse 14. <laughs> it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That's a devaluing issue. And, and that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But it is, but as it is, God arranged. Somebody say arranged. <laughs> arranged the members of the body, in the body, each one of them as he chose. This is powerful language. <laughs> so basically, he's challenging God's people to not covet how God uses other people. In other words, what can happen is, is you can see God using someone else and act like your gift doesn't matter at all. And so what he's telling them to do is, no, 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 no. So you can't, you can't divide. They don't need me because they got enough people already. If, if you're there, the Bible says God has arranged. That's powerful language. That, that word arranged in this context recognizes the idea of a local church by which when you got saved, the Holy Ghost gifted you. And therefore, when he brought you to be a part of a church, he's arranged you sovereignly to be needed there. So, 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 let me just say this real quick. The reason why God put you at Epiphany Fellowship was not so that you can just get what you want. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. See, 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 some of us choose a church based on what it provides for me. They got good worship. They got children's ministry. He got a word. They're accountable in all of this talk. But what we found ourselves in, in our value, is we only value the gathering of the saints based on what we receive. And what that does is it creates a selfish, ingrown philosophy of what it means to be the church. In, 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 other, in, other words, in other words, you look at the church for what you can receive, 
but then don't want to become a part of it to provide what you liked behind the reason why you joined it. But you're going to critique it, though, but don't have what you want. I don't like the way they do this, and I don't like the way. And so, so oh, so, so you're just a bystander running, bumping your gums. <laughs> so you only value what you receive, not becoming part of the problem. Tim Keller said something powerful. He said, this generation, he said, I love them, but it's a two-edged sword. Because he's in New York, he's in Manhattan, and he's in a very transient area. And he says, I love this generation. He says, he was asked a question, what, what, uh, what do you love about this generation? He said, I love this generation because they value community. So they value community very, very much greatly. He said, and they'll, they'll seek it and they'll get into community and everything. He said, the, the problem, though, yeah. is that they like community but don't want to be a conduit to provide it. Oh. Yeah. So they base their enjoyment off of them enjoying something being set up, not them being arrangers. Help me today. God has placed you in the body of Christ as an arranger, as a divine upholster of the local church to make it attractive, not to expose its nakedness. If, oh, help me today, God. If I can say it like I see it, many of us got problem with the church, and we can talk about how bad the church is, even though we're part of the body. So it's like we're talking about them, even though it's us because we're one body, many parts. Weird, it'd be like God the Father talking about Jesus publicly. Like Jesus, that dude be tripping. He's just going to go all the earth and do what he, like, he's talking about himself though. Because they're one. And, he, and, how, and that would show their lack of unity as the Godhead who's one but three. Why in the world would you be a part of the church and talk about them not realizing that it's us? us <laughs> and we're supposed to provide an environment of satisfaction of the spirit that's why God has placed you here God ain't placed you here to get a word only God ain't placed you here to have a place for your kids only God has not placed you here to be in the ministry that you like to receive from only. God has not placed you here because you like the music only. God has not placed you here just because you like padded pews only. God has not placed you here so that because the facility has AC and heat only. God has placed and arranged you here on divine assignment. And you better learn how to see your life in view of not just your personal dreams. <laughs> help me today, God. Most of us build our lives, help me today, God, around our dreams versus the dream giver. And so what happens is if being a part of the local church uh, doesn't fit my dream. Some of you all are shriveling up spiritually because you chose your dream as the center of your life. Because you're not living out the full format of your arrangement. And God has arranged your life for Christ to be at the center. And in order for you to be reminded that Christ is the center is by being around those who help you to be centered. Some of it, that's why your devotional life isn't going to be enough. Uh, I got a book coming out next year. I'll talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. 
And so God's going to help us to value. Next, last but not least, equally needed. We're equally needed. Equally needed. I love this section. We're going to pick back up on that idea in a section. Verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. (laughs) That's wild, right? Nor, (coughs) again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. He said, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. He said, in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division. Somebody say no division. What if your body just started attacking itself? That's called immune deficiency. It's called having spiritual AIDS. My wife has uh, a liver transplant and she has to take immunosuppression to fool her body into thinking that this foreign liver should be there. But if you take the immune deficiency uh, uh, the, the immune uh, pills out of the way, the immunosuppressions out of the way, the body will attack this foreign object even though it's there to help it to exist. <laughs> we should have to use immunosuppressants in the church to help you to know that all of us are needed. Yeah. We, 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 sh- we should not have to, we should not have to do things like beg you to serve. We shouldn't have to do it. We should not have to make the environment everything you need to be here. We gotta make, let's, how do we, how do people feel? Let's make, I'm sick of it. I remember my father in the ministry going to Africa and (coughs) it started raining cats and dogs outside. And he said, one of the pastors of the crusade there, at the church said, Pastor Dr. Evans said, well, I guess things are going to shut down when I have in church. He said, he looked at him like, funny. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's raining like this. Nobody's coming. He said, oh, no. Nah. They'll be here. It'll just take them two hours to walk here. He says, but they'll be here. He said, can I tell you something, sir? He said, yes. He said, in America, y'all don't need the Lord. Y'all have to have everything put in place a certain way for you to need the Lord. He said, but my people are so desperate for Jesus that they'll walk two hours in the rain. And then he preached 45 minutes and sat down. And everybody was sitting there looking at him. And the pastor whispered in his ear, they've walked a long way, pastor. You got to preach about another hour and a half. (laughs) And he got up and preached another sermon for an hour and a half. Because their everyday lives remind them that they need the Lord. The problem with us is we don't 
need the Lord. We need too much in place to serve. Somebody make us mad in a minute. I don't want to serve no more with them. I don't want to be in this life group. I don't want to do it because somebody just, help me God, need God enough to persevere through a little light affliction. I mean, today God, trying to get myself together. But we're equally, every last one of you are needed. Let Brother Brazil not do security when women's having women's ministry. Y'all don't see that, do y'all? This is the Hill House just shut down hospitality for a Sunday. Let the counters who are in the back don't count. Huh? Let the people who clean the building leave two months of trash in the trash can. And rats run all around the building. Your butt won't be in here then. But know what you'll do? You'll leave. I'm not going to the gathering. Instead of saying, I'll help pick up trash. In, in, in other words, we're so entitled. Yes. <laughs> Gonna pray to God would break us. Yes. And that we'll need him again. Yes. And that every little thing won't set us off. Yes. Some of y'all just got some hair trigger anger. Yes. That when everything is not, you're so anal when it comes to the church. Yes. You're so anal and you're so, you, 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 you have obsessive compulsive disorder when it comes to the church. <laughs> Your life's a mess, but you want the church together. The church is supposed to be a mess in process. And all of you matter, every last one of you, from the balcony into the back where you stand up and hit your head on that rail right there. Sorry about that, by the way. All the way, all the way to the person on the front row. All of you matter. And God has arranged you here not to just come and see and look. And be. he wants you here arranged in your right place. I got to get out of here. Help me today. I got to close this down. But he says, <coughs> Paul helps us so well because then he makes a list. He makes a list. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I love that. So now he's helping them to get responsible individually for the greater good. He says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administrating various kinds of tongues. This is interesting. Some believe that this is the process of establishing a church. Apostles go first to establish the church evangelistically, um, not to just get offerings from existing churches. Help me today, God. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but they were supposed to go to the grimy and the grit, and they were supposed to go with no help and go start churches. Then once the people started coming, the prophets came to verbally confirm God's grace and the scriptures. The teachers came to explain the scriptures. The miracles affirmed the work of the apostles that it was actually the true gospel. Then you needed some people to help. And you needed some administrating. Then you had tongues. Tongues was the least gift. And what he's saying is, everybody wants to be up front, but nobody wants to be behind scenes. And he helps us with this. Uh, he said, but, but he says, but earnestly desire higher gifts. He said, I will show you still more an excellent way. And what I want us to recognize as the church is that each one of you are needed. 
Stop dating the church. I knew this guy that, that was dating this girl for 11 years. I wanted to pull, yeah, I wanted to do something to him that wasn't right. I looked at him in his face, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? And I, wa- I asked her what is wrong with you for letting him yeah. keep you for 11 years with no marriage. Right. You're just serial dating, serial dating, no commitment. Yeah. And some of us treat the church like that. Yeah. And I'm praying today that God would break the stronghold of arrogance on our lives. And that we would become, because of his work, what he wants us to become. Because there's stuff that won't get done. When we were going to the third gathering, I'm closing. <coughs> Talking to my leaders. We're in the room, in the basement. And my leaders are wrestling. Because they're trying to get help so that we can start a third gathering to reach more people. And engage more people. Because all our gatherings have filled up. <laughs> and they're wrestling with People who want to be here but don't want to be here. We shouldn't have to wrestle with children's ministry. Who wouldn't want to be a part of the trajectory of a child having remembered nothing but that the church was a great place to be? Who wouldn't want to coach a group of kids that have daddy issues to be a surrogate parent to them? while teaching them basketball and proclaiming the gospel to them? Who wouldn't want to go on a prayer walk and pray for somebody that says to them, God sent you my way, and I was about to commit suicide, but you coming here to pray for me has encouraged me, and they trust Jesus Christ as Savior? Who wouldn't want to go to a small group and a believer is going through a hard time, a difficult time, a challenging time? and wouldn't want to help them out through their brokenness and come alongside of them by just listening and when they're sick, providing soup. And somebody's saying, I love the church because of you. I love the church because God has given you grace to help me to see it so differently. Who in the world wouldn't want to help with premarital counseling so that we can lower the divorce rate through preparing people for godly marriages? Who in the world wouldn't want to join college ministry to help uh, people in a secular, humanistic philosophy of life that they're getting to be prepared for life to not come alongside of them and continue to proclaim the gospel to them so they can continue to walk in the faith and not commit apostasy. Who in the world wouldn't want to work out a soundboard so that the gospel can be heard by people as the gospel has been preached? Who in the world wouldn't want to come before God's people with their voice to sing praises, to lead people into the throne room of God? Who in the world wouldn't want to serve God's church? Who in the world, who in the world, who in the world wouldn't want to serve God's people? God's people. God's people. God's people. Not just some general mojo, but the people that God has redeemed. I give my life to it. My prayer is I'll be like Paul in Acts 28. I'm going to be sitting on my back porch in North Philly with varicose veins going through my bald head with reading glasses on my eyes 
and I'm going to have a group of men sitting around, and my wife's going to have tea in the house with some women around there, babies running around, and I'm going to make disciples till I'm old and dry. I'm going to make disciples, and I'm going I'm to lead people to John. I'm going I'm to walk with people until Jesus Christ comes back. And I'll be God if I don't have any voice, and if I don't have a microphone, I'll raise my voice and drink some tea and holler some more that Christ reigns, that Christ lives, and that he's coming again, and that he's going to save you through his death. I'm going to do it till I die. I'm going to do it till I die. Why wouldn't you die on your feet? Why won't you die on your feet instead of living on your back? I want to finish, and I want to come to heaven worn out. I want to enter heaven worn out. I want to come, and I want the Savior to put his hand on my shoulders. <laughs> and I want him to kiss me. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter the glory of my Father. Now, I don't enter because of my works. I enter because of what he's done. But he does thumbs up those who depended on his life to help them to live life. <laughs> so I'm praying today that you would get off your caboose and serve God's people.